Nate's come out with another awesome tool for the swimming community. A very simple and easy to use necessity for any team or facility that is live streaming their meets results. You actually see the live meet timer counting up. The splits come across the screen as the swimmers touch the pads. It has all the information you're looking for. Event, heat, lane, name of swimmer, times and places. There are so many things you can do with this software. Swim Nerd Live turns any smart TV into a portable digital scoreboard. Hang a TV out in the hallway of the pool or on both sides of the stands. This is perfect when you have swim meets and the kids are in the gym down the hall. They've made it incredibly simple for anyone to watch. One click on any device and they're watching your swim meet live in real time. And here's the cherry on top. Swim Nerd Live also provides advertising space for you to show off your sponsors, promote your upcoming swim camp, or have your alumni just one click away from donating. This software will pay for itself. Go to swimpractice.com to learn more. Okay, Ray Lewis, welcome to the podcast, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Um, love chatting with some of the top coaches in the world, and you're definitely one of them right now, man. You're doing some fantastic work. Um, man, it must feel good to have the kind of group that you've got right now, hey? Uh, it sure does. It's, uh, it's so diverse. You know, I get to coach college women, college men, and then just an amazing group of pros, and it sort of all goes together in organized chaos, but it's, it's a lot of fun. How do you manage that? And, and that's one of the things that I, I struggled with at Auburn is, you know, I wanted to be a coach. And, and at some point um, in my time there, I was named head coach. And as, as time went on, I realized I wasn't really a coach and I wasn't really a head coach. I was, I was more of a manager. And that's kind of what you're talking about there is like, yeah. you do a lot of management, right? You know, I, had a, I was rooming with Mike Bottom in 2016, and um, he uh, he goes, "Do you still coach?" <laughs> and 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 I said, "Yeah, I, I do." And and he goes, "It's getting to the point where uh, you know I can't I, I can't give myself a group." He goes, "And I really miss it." And he goes, "How do you do that?" And I go, "Just just do it. You're the you're the head coach. You're like one of the greatest friend coaches ever. Yeah. Um, as as are you and." Um, you, you know, the best thing we, we were able to do here is uh, we got the director of operations position, which a lot of major colleges have. Sure. But I literally make that person do every bit of office work there is, mm. like all the way to entries, you know, you name it so that we can protect the deck. Um, you know, we got to do the recruiting, but if it's anything more than recruiting and coaching, you're, you're really asking a lot. So we, we just have really good administrative help. Yeah, that's, that's great. And, you know, then you have maybe a GA or two who can help out. And then, you mm -hmm. know, you have your assistant coaches. So there's enough hands on deck that everybody's doing something when it comes to that. But then it does allow you the freedom to coach. Now, in terms of your specific group, what, what would you say it is right now? I'd, I'd say I write for mid mid stroke. So, so the way we're structured, we have a sprint group and a mid sprint group. Okay. Well, that's where John Long is. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, one of your former Auburn guys. Yep. And then, and then we have a mid stroke, which is kind of sprint stroke. So people that would do 50, 100 and 200 of fly back and breast. Then we have a mid D 
and we have a distance. Corey Chitwood does the mid D and distance. So I kind of put myself in the middle so that, you know, given, given a week, um, for example, like on a Wednesday, John and I'll take lactate and coach that together. Gotcha. And then as things get a little more specific, like yesterday, I took the professionals and the upper lactate people, kind of people that, that have to do a 200. And then John took, you know, the, the 150 people and maybe people that touch a 200. And we just split up a pretty large lactate group and gave them a lot of attention. But what I try to do is I put myself on some specialty items or race specific practices. Like I'll do a hundred meter practice and a 200 meter practice. And then people from other groups can rotate through that. And that allows me to touch every part of the program in a given week. Yeah. I was going to say it's, that's, that's the tough part, right? Because as the head coach, you want, everybody wants a piece of the head coach. Everybody wants to be coached by you. I mean, you're the guy that's getting the job done. You're the guy that's making the decisions and it's, it's difficult to get around and have a real personal relationship with, I mean, you're talking about 70 athletes between your men, your women, and your pros, probably somewhere in that number. I mean, that's an enormous amount of kids that you can't really have a super direct influence on every single practice, but they, they want you to at least see what they're doing, hear what they're doing and, and be connected to it. Right. That's true. And if I'm not coaching each segment, at least once a week, um, you know, that's probably not a good thing for the overall health of our program. So um, I'd say since 2016, or so 2015, I've been, I've been making sure to cover all the bases. Um, and I, I try to be as, as fair as I can, but I really want to know what's happening so that if somebody comes to me and they have a question, I have an answer or I can get an answer. And it's not like I haven't seen that kid swim for weeks. Sure. Um, and so, um, and I feel like I have a really good heartbeat on, on what's going on and, and then I can help the coaches. It's my job to coach the coaches. Mm-hmm. You know, if, um, you know, as you, as the longer you coach and you probably know this as well as anybody, you know, you think, you know, you sort of are working your way toward master coach status mm-hmm. and, and the only way to get there is to be like 60 years old. Uh, literally when I had Dennis Dale here, um, he pretty much experienced everything, but he was in his seventies and, and there's only one way to get there. And that's just by logging the time so that, you know, you're like, I've seen this before. I know what to do. And at our age, we're, we're still not there. You know, yeah. we're, whether, whether we're successful or not, we're not at master coach level, which is you, you just have to have that 30, 35 years of doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're getting there. That's for sure. And you've got the, I, you got the kids that are going to help you learn a lot. I mean, uh, one of the things that I loved about Auburn when I was there, I, uh, you know, you, you have talent and, and that's what you've got on your deck right now is you've got some talent yeah. and, and you learn a lot from them. You come in and they do things that you've never seen before. Or they, they demand certain things and you're like, wow, that's really challenging me as a coach as well. And so um, give me a, give me an example or two of something like that, that, you know, maybe, maybe you've learned um, just recently through, through an athlete or two that you're working with of like, oh, wow, that's, that's different for that athlete. I haven't seen that before. So I'll give you several. Um, Cody Miller's a good one because, yeah. you know, I've probably coached him 10 or 11 years now. Mm-hmm. And um, so we, we, you know, we, I just did this thing on, um, you know, contrast training where, you know, sure. you're, you're using resistance and pulleys and video. 
And Cody made a suggestion, you know, that, you know, I'd done before, but he goes, Hey, let's just, let's do this part with paddles. You know, we, we had been using drag mitts. We'd been using parachutes. We'd been using fins and he goes, just paddles. And they were flying, mm. like just flying. So we've kind of stuck with it as a little portion of what we're doing. And I'd say 99% of what Cody suggests is right on point. Yeah. Like it just, he's in there, he's doing it. You know, he kind of knows what we're trying, where we're trying to go. And I thought that just use of paddles on a portion of the set yeah. and then taking them on, putting them on and, and having that greater surface area. Mm-hmm. Um, we were ripping our pullouts on breaststroke and just, just times were dropping. If they were going 75s, he started going 40 points as opposed to say 42s. Yeah. Wow. And then, yeah. And then a, a guy like Blake came back from ISL and his Peroni. girlfriend, yeah, Blake Peroni, mm-hmm. you know, his girlfriend tested positive. So he got quarantined for a couple of weeks, amazingly never got it. But he, um, he said, you know, I've, I've got to go back. I, I, you know, he put himself like in the distance group, mm. you know, and this is one of the better sprinters in the world. Mm. And, and he goes, I'm going to do this for eight weeks. And then I'm going to slowly kick myself into more quality work and Blake, Blake dictated his weekly cycle and, and has, um, be it more sprint or, or just replenishing, yeah. you know, his aerobic system from, you know, being over in Budapest, sprinting, shaving for every meet to then getting ready to try to make the Olympic team. And, and, and then there's Zach Apple. Uh, and I was going to you know, say, how's 20, my boy Zach Apple doing out there? Zappy's doing great. And, um, you know, so Zappy's kind of gone in and out of mid D sprint. Like when he was at Auburn, you guys had him going for the 200 swam that great 48, 100. And then he went more sprint. Then he came back here, went a little more mid D and now he's going back toward, towards sprint as we approach the Olympics. And, and he's really dictated a lot of that as opposed to maybe when he was at Auburn, you guys might've made the calls, he's making those calls now. And I think that it's really important that, uh, you know, these guys have the ownership to, to make, to make decisions. And like, for example, we're going long course Monday, Wednesday, uh, Saturday mornings, Lily said, Hey, I want to go some quality, you know, Wednesday morning practices where I have to get up and do hundred type stuff, you know, at six in the morning. And that's to get ready for finals in Tokyo which are going to be in the morning. And she goes, I just want to know I can get up and, and really, really move significantly earlier than I'm going to have to at that point. Yeah. So those are good examples of kind of athletes making great suggestions. Yes, absolutely. Great, great um, suggestions there. And, and one of the things that people might not know about Zach um, is he's very determined and very focused and, um, doesn't really buy into the, uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't very talented type situation. He's more into what, what can I actually can control? What, what can I do? Um, and, and so I think he, he was one of those guys that came on and was a bit of a surprise, was a late bloomer and, and took, took a lot of people by surprise, but just in working with him, what, what are some of the things that separate an athlete like that, where you see them making the progressions they're making because of the actions they're taking? Um, Zach is, is really, you know, as you know, determined, but he's, he's, he's sort of a, 
nothing was given to him early on. He he was signed to go to Western Kentucky. They yeah. dropped their program. You guys end up with him. And, you know, who knew what that guy was going to be? I had him on my campus and I, I offered him nothing. Maybe we offered him books, you know, just. Yeah, what I, a think I, I think I offered him food and books. So I just, I got the food on you. <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, he, um, if he's got a weakness, he, he's, he's going to address it. So like underwater yep. kickouts for him. He, I told him yesterday, I go, there's probably only one guy in the country that can, that you're going to be behind at this point. Yep. He has worked so hard on his line off the start mm-hmm. and underwaters that um, I don't, I think there's only one man in the world that's going to be ahead of him. And, and that's all credit goes to Zach. He's like, I got to, I got to fix this part of my swimming. He's a great swimmer, but he took all the ownership, put in extra time. Um, we were suited yesterday. And he, a, at the end of that, he goes, Hey, I want to do the test, you know, where he does a start and he just holds his line, you know, and gets time to, to, to the 15 with like nothing, just yeah. gliding. And it was this best time ever. Yeah. Um, and he, and it just, he's like really it built confidence, but he's, he's one of those growth mentality type people yes. like where, you know, maybe as a freshman in college, he was at this talent, this talent level yep. through hard work and, and, and perseverance, his talent levels, like he's improved his talent level mm-hmm. literally. Yep. And, and when people don't think that they can become more talented or say more intelligent, I'll tell you. You know, when, when, when you're like a Zach Apple, you could improve that, that curve. Yeah. You wish you had 20 of those type of mentalities on your team, don't you? Because your whole team would just be phenomenal, but it's nice to have one and other people can see it. And you're like, look, I'm not doing anything here. This is coming from him. It's like what you said, if he has a weakness, he's going to address it. It's not like you jamming it down his throat saying, Zach, you got to improve this. You got to improve this. It's like coach, my underwaters need to get better. Help me with it. I, I love that mentality. Correct. And, and I want to compliment you. He was so good technically when he came to us that, um, you know, we were able to work on higher level projects. So I think in 2019, our big deal was come back in the 124. You know, we want to be a guy that comes back in 24, like Chalmers. Um, yep. And he, and he had Zach had good speed yep. um, and, and he did it several times and he split that 46 on the relay and it's a game changer. You know, I think Zach's got a real good shot to go 46 flat start now because, you know, it was, you know, that summer, that was the project. Now this past year, it's been underwater kickouts and he's, he's always got a project that, you know, he's going to drop the 10% of his, of whatever he's doing. That's, you know, least bang for the buck. And he's going to add, Hey, if I can improve this 10% of what I do, then I'm really going to improve. Yeah. Well, let's talk about you for a second. Let's go back. You and I actually have something in common in terms of swimming and, and it's pertinent to the next few months. Uh, we actually both finished third at the Olympic trials. Uh, I just read that in your bio just a minute ago. I didn't know that about you, but talk to me about that. What event was it and how was that experience for you? Uh, it was 400 IM okay. and, and it was, it was super painful because what it took to get second wasn't anything special that year yeah and it and it was my former teammate at usc and um what year was this this was 92 okay so um yeah that would have been barcelona and and it you know in 88 i watched just this chaotic trials where pablo morales doesn't even make the team 
Mm. Like he, and he was a world record holder, multiple gold medalist in 84. And, and in the U S anything can happen. And if I would have been better prepared um, in 92, I didn't even go best times and I still got third. I, I could have definitely made it. But I think from a coaching perspective, it made me super hungry to give people what I didn't get, what I missed out on. And, um, and then I had to wait from that point until 2016 to even get to go to the Olympics. I, I, at one point I thought I would never get to go. Like, I'm like that, you know, and and it's a dream of a lot of people, you know, I get recruits coming into the office and they go, my dream is to go to the Olympics. And I look at them and I go, Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) so hard, you know, to, uh, to, to get there, but I think it made me um, a much, much better coach um, and, and I'm more compassionate. And, and I also understand the journey is so hard, um, you know, and then once you're to the Olympics, it's more like a celebration, like, yeah. you know, to, to go through the trials, you know, and get named to the Olympics, either as a swimmer or coach, it's very, very special. And I remember sitting in the room like the day after, and uh, I was just, I was like, okay, I'm good. I, you know, yeah. we don't need to do anything more. And, and the, the U S team, and this is one thing that I think makes the U S special is they're like, this is probably our worst Olympic team on paper in decades. This is how you're only projected to get 20 medals, but we're, we're, we're shooting for like 32 and you guys, it's up to you guys. You know, we win medals. We win gold, silver, bronze. We're not going to stand for this. And, and Frank Bush was leading that, that, that talk. And it was like, I, it just dawned on me, man, I got to get my act together. I mean, this mm. job is not done. Uh, you know, we got to squeeze a little bit more out of Blake or Cody or, or whatever. So. Well, is there any lesson there that you share with your athletes or you can share with us in terms of, you know, trying to avoid that third place position because you, you don't want it. I, yeah. I, I, the pain for me was real too, man. It took me years to get over it. And uh, it, it helped me in a positive way because I went back four years later and I was determined that that was not going to happen again. So, but there was lessons learned for me in that process. Uh, for me, the big one was I was hoping to make the Olympic team. And, and then when I went back in 2000, I was, I knew I was going to, I, I had made a decision. I'm making the Olympic team, but, but my mentality was, was wrong in 96. It was like, I hope I can make this. I hope I'm good enough. And that cost me a couple of hundreds of seconds, which all, all of, that was the difference between making, not making, it was just kind of a belief. So is there a, was there a lesson there for you? Well, for sure. You know, and I'll give you a couple couple examples myself and then uh, Blake is a good example mm-hmm. of 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 how to handle things positively you know my I had switched training two years before that 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 Olympic trials and um, I see just so many people picking up and transferring or switching programs and the relationship that needs to happen between coach and swimmer takes years yeah. There, there is no pink pill. It's, 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 we're dealing with human beings. And I think people just need to be a little more patient and, and hold, and hold the course, Sure. you know, and uh, you always think, you know, I went from USC to Texas, Texas was winning all these NCAA titles. And uh, you know, that, that doesn't mean that's going to work for you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's the relationship of a coach, coaching staff and the athlete. So um, I, the lesson, is just stick with what's working, you know, 
Because yep. I'd never gone, I'd only gone best times. And then I make a change and I start to stagnate. Yeah. But I see that as a coach, I've seen that happen quite a bit. Um, and then Blake's a good example. Um, he, he was like one of the favorites to make the team in the 2016, and he didn't make the A final. Mm. And, and like we had a couple athletes have that happen to them where they just swam bad 200 freeze and semis. And they were both kind of going downhill. And I waited like a day to talk to Blake and he's sitting on a bench and I'm like, how are you doing? And he goes, I'm good. I'm good. I, and I go, I go, well, what are you going to do? And he goes, I'm going to make the team in the hundred. Mm. And I think to myself, he's not even rated highly at all. He was like 49, eight. I'm like, I loved what he said, but he meant it. He, yeah. he just nothing, you know, he, he was able to pick himself up mm -hmm. quickly at that competition and move forward. And I think he was like 12th or 13th in prelims. Then he was like seventh out of semifinals. And I, I said, what are you going to do now, Blake? You know? And, and he goes, I'm next to Anthony Irvin and I know exactly he's going to go out hard. And I'm going to get right next to the lane rope and I'm going to drag off him <laughs> as hard as I can the first 50. And he goes, I'm a 200 guy. So I think I'll still come home. Well, yeah. and you know, you, I was watching in the warm down area and, and Anthony and Blake are on the top of the screen and these other two guys, you know, in, in, you know, whatever lanes one and two are, are b below. And he's like way ahead of those guys. Cause Anthony drug him out and it was just beautiful. Like that was his strategy. It was a good one. He implemented it and, and he was able to just turn himself around and you see so many people start off a meet, especially a meet with so much pressure poorly. And then it, they can't get out of it. Yeah. So, and, and it was hard for, for me at the time too. And I was just too old to, to carry on and do another one. Yeah, no, I love that story about Blake, but yeah, you, you're right. It's, uh, it's tough, man. It's it, the Olympic trials is so much pressure involved in it. And it's going to be something different this time around, because I believe they've just cut it down to what three or four heats. Right. So like, the, yeah. it's just going to be the best of the best. And, um, I don't know what they're doing in terms of crowd and stuff. So maybe the pressure itself may not feel, I don't know what it's going to feel like. Are you, are you preparing your athletes for that? Like, how are you preparing them for what we're facing at Olympic trials this time around? You know, I, I try to tell them, you know, not to make it anything bigger. Like uh, I remember talking to a kid named a guy named Victor Davis. He was a great Canadian breaststroker that, that passed away in the late eighties. And he goes, you can't go to Olympic games or world championships and go, Oh, like this is a different meet. Like, like when, when we walked into the pool at the Olympics, Cody was like walking behind Phelps and Phelps goes, well, what, what do you think? You know, first visit to the pool sure. and Phelps goes, what do you think of the pool, Cody? And Cody goes, um, it looks like a Mirtha pool. And he goes, yeah. He goes, have you swum in one of those before? And Cody goes a lot. And he goes, you're going to have a good meet. Yeah. yeah. You know, just you know, don't make it any, any sort of a big deal. Like try to reduce the stress, try to reduce the pressure. Um, if, if, if they'll listen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that's true. You've got to, yeah. you got to be a guide, but in the end you put it in their hands and see what they do. Tell me this, who was your first Olympic gold medal that you coached? Was that, was that Blake? Yep. Was he like the first he was gold? Al alternate on the relay. He would have been the first gold medalist. Yep. Didn't he, didn't he swim in the final he did not oh i thought i thought he was on the a team 
Yeah, he did not. I, um, I, I got to coach a guy named Jeff Rouse in the 90s when I was at the Phoenix Swim Club. But, you know, his plan, I sort of picked him up, you know, um, two years out and I coached him for a year. And then he went back to Stanford to finish off his training. So he put me down as one of his coaches of record, but I can't take credit for that. So I would say Blake. But then your Blake first your first real individual big win. What, what is, is that Lily? Is that her swim? For sure. Yeah. yeah. Wow. What, I mean, how's that feel for you? Like, I, I remember what it was like for me when Caesar won. I, I cried, man. But like in, in terms of when you get that first individual win at the at Olympic Games as a coach, you feel a part of that for sure, right? Totally. But like there was just, you know, with Lily, there was, um, you know, she was just this, you know, bunkin from southern Indiana. And then she has this magical freshman year. She goes into Olympic trials after her freshman year and wins. And she's like first in the world. And, and the, you know, David Marsh is like, Hey, you like, we expect a gold medal here. He was the head women's coach. <laughs> and he goes, you know, we expect a gold medal here and, you know, don't screw this up. And, <laughs> and I'm like, all right, you know, and I, and I was trying to help her. She was such a rookie. Um, and there was all this doping stuff sure. going into that race with, uh, you know, Yulia, Yulia yeah. had been banned from the Olympics, mm-hmm. um, like weeks before, and they were going through court of arbitration. And the night before the game started, they let the seven Russian kids all back in. Mm. And, um, Kate Ledecky came up to me and this is like, she, you know, Hunter breast c- comes first or second day. I get, I guess men go first day, women go second day. And Kate Ledecky goes, Hey, guess what Lily just said about Efimova being, led into the Olympics. And I'm like, I don't even want to know. I didn't even want to talk to Lily about it. And she said, she's happy because mm. now she can beat her straight up. And I'm mm. like, well, that's the right answer. Mm. But uh, like, I was just trying to help Lily. I was trying to protect her from the extra pressure and scrutiny and all. And, and I said, Hey, don't, don't get involved in that drug talk. Like just let the older girls, the more experienced handle it. And she goes, that, that's a really good plan because, like, I'm kind of nervous. And normally she's not nervous. She's, like, just a stud, like, yeah. thrives under pressure. But, you know, she didn't realize they were filming the, the ready rooms. No, nobody told her. Yeah. And they caught her, caught her wagging that finger. And then the, the NBC people were like, why are you wagging the finger? And she goes, well, I'll just uh, – gotcha. sorry about that. Yeah down to 10% battery, hopefully this lasts, but she goes, uh, she just, she spilled the beans on everything she hated about doping and just went nuts. Fair and enough. I didn't see, I, I didn't, yeah, fair enough. And, uh, but we were going to, the plan was to avoid all that, right. To keep pressure off of her. Right. So that she could just, just race. And she just completely dialed it up to where if you lost, you were going to have egg on your face for decades, like maybe ever. And, um, but you know, David and I spoke about it and we were like, well, it's the cats out of the bag. So we just have to support this. And uh, like before that race, I was just like, if she loses, it's going to be so bad. And I go, I can't think that way, <laughs> you know, and, and, and Yulia comes back strong in a yeah. race. Yeah. So the, the plan was to try to let Lily be herself and go out. And I said, you're going to have to go out all out, just get the biggest lead you could possibly get. And she goes, well, what if I die? And I go, you're, you're going <clears> to, <throat> you're going to die for sure. The plan is she'll die worse. You'll, <laughs> you'll drag her out 
to, uh, you know, an uncomfortable mm-hmm. place. Yeah. And I put myself like in the stands, right. Where I thought Yuli might catch her, yep. which was about the flags. And she caught her at the flags literally. And I'm just like worst nightmare, but Yuli just stopped moving forward at that point. She was swimming, but not moving forward. So yeah. yeah, well, I also think that there's a point in Lily where she senses that. I've seen her in other races where she senses yeah. people. She has a knack for getting her hand on the wall. Like, like it's a it's a determination. Like I'm touching that wall before anyone else. Yeah, there's something about her where if she's even with somebody with last lap, last ten meters, last five meters, you you would never want to bet against her. No. I've never seen her losing that environment where she could just be dead like nothing left yet she'll she'll pull it out and you saw that with isl a lot too does that happen in practice or is that really just a competition thing where she's under pressure only competition only under extreme pressure wow like for her to 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 like break a world record or to do something special she has got to be under the gun back against the wall like the most threatening person mm. in front of her against her Isn't it to, amazing? to get that level. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. <clears throat> like for me, in a way that didn't bring out the best in me. I, I felt that pressure when I was at the Olympic games, yeah. I was in lane five in the final in 2004. I felt that lane five, like I felt the yeah. weight of lane five, but there are people, rare people like Lily who have this ability to thrive and expand and grow under that type of pressure it's super rare right very rare it's the only athlete i've ever had at that level and she wants it like she's like bored if she doesn't get it yeah and and she's looking for it mm-hmm. like in the, the the meets that she gets to go to where that actually happens it could be two years apart and then just trying to keep her interested but yeah it's it's amazing i have never had Blake's probably the second in line as far as like somebody that in the worst of scenarios, the most, you know, uh, you know, weighted pressure, just being able to, to perform, pull sure. it out. Sure. But Lily's like, just almost wouldn't say she's a guarantee, but gosh, I just, when, when the chips, when all the chips are in the center of the table, you just want to see that race. Yeah. Cause you, you just know that. something good. Yeah. You know, something good's going to happen. Yeah. That's, that's nice. I, I, I like that. And like you said, there's no guarantee she's going to win every single time, yeah. but you know, she's going to, she's going to give it everything that girl has to make sure that uh, she puts herself in a position to, to win that race. She, she told me a story the other morning before this Wednesday morning long course practice that um, when she was being raised by her parents, yeah. that she wasn't allowed to play this game because there wasn't a winner. <laughs> so I was like, cause I was like, where do you get this from? And, and that was one of the times she was actually answering it. And she goes, yeah, like I, I can't remember what game it was, but there's no winner. And she's like, her parents are like, yeah, you're not, you're not going to play that game. <laughs> <laughs> trained her early. I love that. I think there was something to that. Like I, yeah. she was certainly born competitive, but, but also her parents did a good job of like, Hey, you got to touch the wall first. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, before we run out of battery here, tell me what haven't you achieved? What, what are your personal goals? Where, where, where are you still aiming? 
You know, I would love to be a part of a team NCAA championship very badly. Um, yeah. So we're working really, really hard to make that happen here at Indiana. Um, so that that definitely – I'd be lying if that wasn't on the bucket list. And um, How close are you, you think? I think the next couple of years um, we're going to have our, our best men's teams here. Our women's team could be really, really good by 22, but we, we just we got a long way to go there. But like our, our next couple of years of men's teams will be our best. Um, Cal and Texas have to do something to come back to the pack a little bit. Like we're, we're we got like 13 guys that make NCs and they they have 18 yeah. and all 18 score. Mm. Um, so we 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 got to close that that personnel gap, but. Um, you know, I think the you know we've been third a couple times, so you know I believe these couple teams are better. You know, so we're gonna have a couple years to really just push, and and I think if you're hovering in that top three, you know you can you can bust through. Look at look at Michigan, you know, with 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 bottom a few years ago, you know they they yeah. they just kind of won an unexpected title. You get on a roll. Yeah. What what are the challenges with that then? Like what? what are some of the limiting factors you think when it comes to being competitive with Cal being competitive with Texas? Cause look, they've created separation with everybody. So this isn't yeah. an, an Indiana thing by any means. This is kind of like, we're all looking at this and being like, they've created separation. What can we do to get there? And, and so from your point of view, what are some of your limiting factors that are holding you back from joining that fold? You know, people hold weather against us. Um, yeah. You know, so we, we'll we'll lose a lot of kids just because they want to be in warmer weather. Sure. Um, but but like if you're if you want to be a champion, you know, and you want to be the best, uh, you need to go wherever those coaches and athletes that can push you are. So like when I'm recruiting, I'm like, you know, if you if you really want to win this gold medal or do something really special, if if the university was in Siberia, then you need to go to University of Siberia. And I go, mm. we're much warmer than that <laughs> um, you know yeah. i just think that uh you know we just got to keep at it and um you know get a little get a little bit lucky but i i think that um anything's possible sure. you know things things don't always stay the same and i i know there's a gap there everybody else does but you know you're you said it you've got to have the talent yeah like the the first thing when i started coaching my my college coach was peter dayland and, uh, you know, I told him, Hey, I'm going to get into coaching. I, what's your, what's the number one advice? And he goes, you want to be a great coach? And I go, yeah, I want to be a great coach. And he goes, find someone that swims really fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is the secret. I've never forgotten that. Um, so it, it is, you got to have talented people. There's no doubt about that. You need 20 of those yeah. on a college team if you want to beat Cal in Texas too. So, <laughs> well, you know, you won an unexpected title, um, you know, when you were at Auburn, like where we, we had something that we rallied around, we had Richard quick that we were rallying around. When you get a group of men that can rally around something, that's what they want to do. They want something they can fight for, you know? And so, so that certainly helped us that year. And I'm not saying that was, that was helpful. Richard's um, sickness and illness was certainly tragic. Um, but, but our men rallied around that, you know? And so it was, it was a situation that we had. Um, and, and yeah, so, but that was, that was one of the best coaching jobs I've ever seen ever. Well, I like, appreciate it. I don't think you had one bad swim. Not, I mean, if you did, I didn't see it. And like it, everything was humming, 
Well, I think that's where the, the luck comes in too. You you say yeah. you've got to have some luck. There's definitely yeah. luck involved. I, I 100% agree with that. Like I, I didn't, it wasn't three days before the meet and I was thinking we're going to win this thing because we're going to have an, uh, no one's going to have a bad swim. I wasn't thinking that. It just, it worked itself out that way and 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 luck became of us th- that weekend. But they, they rallied around something for sure and it was yeah. great. And and you do, you just need some of that sometimes. You just need, you need to go to the meet and, is the meet going to happen this year? Are you going to have this thing? I believe so. Like, um, I, you know, I think the other meets that have been canceled, they were canceled because like in division three or, or uh, NAI or whatever else has been canceled. They didn't have enough teams actually doing it. You know, those universities said, Hey, we're just going to save money. But most of division one is, is, is swimming and diving. So mm. we're, you know, I'm expecting it like 99%, if not a hundred percent to happen. Where are the two now, meets at? Where's the women's and men's meet at? They're both at Greensboro. Oh, right. Yeah. So I just, I think you better expect that it's going to happen. It may be a little ugly. Times may be a little slower for certain conferences. Like, I don't know, like the Big Ten, we've just, we've got very stringent protocols. So like if you get coronavirus, you're out like five or six weeks. So you're, yeah. you're like toast. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, true. I mean, th- there is that for sure. But I'll tell you what, swimming that I've seen around the world and even watching the ISL, I mean, they found a way to produce. They found a way to pull the best out of themselves yeah. and be competitive and swim fast. There's definitely a lot of fast swimming going on. The, the NCA meet has always been the fastest meet in the world. So it's it's tough top to bottom to say it's going to be as deep as it was. But I'm sure there's going to be some incredible, incredibly fast swimming. Yeah, I mean, it, swimming always surprises me. You know, just when you don't expect something something unexpected happens yeah so we just hope to be a part of the good stuff yeah yeah what about tokyo you feel pretty confident with that yeah i do um i think it's just like all the other professional sports they played because they they really needed the money and um the ioc needs that tv money or they they're not gonna be able to support their lifestyles and what they've become accustomed to so they want that tv money so now there may be no fans and it may be like really weird, but they're going to have the Olympics. They can't afford not to. Nice. Yeah. Well, let's, let's end with this. Tell us, tell us why, tell us why are you tell us why, uh, you know, swimmers can thrive under you. I mean, you're proving it left and right. You got Olympic gold medalists, you got, you know, champions all over the place. You're doing a fantastic job, but you know, I want you to talk to the people that are listening right now. Why would they want to come? Why should they come swim for your program? You know, if you want to get better um, and you're willing to, to do what it takes, I'm, you know, we're looking for kids that, you know, are competitive, that are confident, you know, that, that, you know, have some talent that need coaching and, you know, that that's innovative to get them from here to here. So we, I think we've proven over the years that we can really get people better. And if you want to come to an environment that you're going to get to race every day, you know, and you don't shy away from competition and you're willing to take risks, like I take risks all the time, be it in a set I write or a cycle we'll have a kid do, mm-hmm. but we discuss it more like, Hey, you could get really significant results here or, or it could be bad on the, on the flip side. Cause we're, we're making progress doing this old stuff or even in coaching hires, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a risk taker calculated, but I, I want to learn and I want to mm-hmm. stay on the edge. 
And I think that whoever comes to Indiana, you're going to get the benefits of that where, you know, we're going to be hopefully discovering the new ways to train and, you know, the, 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 the people that are here are going to be fully a part of that. Like our swimmers are a part of the innovation that, that yeah. we tried to maintain here. You know, they'll, they make suggestions, they push us, mm. you know, with their goals and their dreams. And uh, that's what you're going to get, you know, special, special things can, can happen at Indiana. Like if you didn't ever think you could go to the Olympics, or, or win an NCAA title, we're the place to come because we, we can make those dreams happen to like people that you would never have imagined that, yeah. that, that that would even be possible. So I'd say that, you know, that's the, that's the most important thing. And, you know, um, and we're, we're, we, we try to recruit the people that are good fits for us. And um, I, I, I like people that, that are willing to put their themselves on the line and put themselves out there. I really enjoy working with folks like that. Well, I can tell you this, two swimmers that swam for me, Annie Laser and, and Zach Apple, uh, swam fast for me, but they've swum faster for you, man. And you've done a fantastic job with both of them. There's no doubt that you can coach yeah. kids to swim wickedly fast. And and they're happy, man. Every time I speak to them, they're happy where they are. It's a great training environment. They're, they're happy with the coaching they're getting. Um, and like I said, you, they're swimming faster than they ever swim with me. So you're doing great. Keep it up, man. Uh, big fan. And uh, thanks for sharing today. I appreciate it. Thanks, Brett. It was great to be a part of this. Keep yeah, up Ray. the good work. Thanks, Ray. Take care, man. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.